you're not on your own. There are people, there are women that have gone before you that can talk to you about it. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And if you feel that you're losing your mind, it's fine because you might lose it, but you'll get it back. Meet Sue Devaney, the actor we know here in the UK for Coronation Street, Dinner Ladies and Casualty. Sue's a passionate advocate for talking openly about menopause because, let's face it, there really has been a taboo, hasn't there? I'm Emma Goswell, and welcome to FN Hormones. What have we learnt? I'm looking back over 2021 to see just how far we've come by recording this podcast about perimenopause and beyond. One of the things we wanted to do was exactly what Sue Devaney just said. To show you that you're not on your own, because we've gone through it too. I reckon we've come a long way this year, especially considering we knew bugger all about it when we first started. I was telling my friend that we were doing this yesterday, and she said, perimenopause, is that our singer from the 1950s? And I thought, well, yeah, it does sound, it does sound a bit like... <laughs> Can I just ask about body odour as well? Okay. But, uh, what do you mean by body odour? What's supposed to happen? Do you just start being a bit whiffy? Emma, do we need a little chat? <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> They're all just going, thank God I'm not in that flat with Emma, with her hot flushing and oddies body odours. Anytime you mention this stuff to people, they just go, oh, hot flush. It's yeah, but not many, not many women have the hot... Not everybody no, I've has never the hot had a, I've never had I've a hot never, flush. I've never had a hot flush. Yeah. What?! I haven't been the right temperature since 2005. (laughs) (laughs) So that just goes to show you how much we all knew, or didn't know, at the beginning. When me and my three mates, Helen, Bina and Terry, first started recording Effing Hormones, we had no idea that there was about to be this huge groundswell of campaigning around menopause. In this episode, you're going to hear from the amazing women who have been speaking out. You'll get to hear about the progress that's been made in training GPs and you'll also get a sneak peek of an interview with Kate Muir. She's the journalist who brought you that documentary. Yep, the one hosted by Davina McCall that had such a huge impact on many people's understanding of menopause this year. Back to our experiences though. And when we first started, all we knew was that we'd gone through all kinds of mad symptoms for years and that GPs really weren't shedding any light on what was happening to us. And we weren't the only people going through that. I had a good experience with a GP, but I dealt with two male GPs who were absolutely terrible, just didn't know what they were doing at all and just almost laughed at me. We were treating individual symptoms without realising the overall picture until she said, well, I think it's this. And then I started to put two and two together and started to Google symptoms. GPs, I think they do very little training on the menopause, so they know very little about it. Because the doctor didn't make the links between anxiety and depression and menopause, then I didn't either. So did I get the help? I did. No, I didn't. I didn't. But... I wasn't expecting it. Now, we've never been about bashing GPs in this podcast. Whenever someone's had a good experience, we've celebrated it. But we do need to make the point that so many people we've talked to about this simply haven't had the support and the help that they've needed. But it wasn't just GPs who weren't talking about perimenopause. In many cases, it was our mums too. 
Let's hear again from Sue Devaney, who told us about the time when she'd asked some older women about it. I said, why did you never talk about it? I mean, they were in the 70s, 80s, you know. They said, oh, we never did. Enid, she said to me, um, my mother were carted off. I didn't see her for two years. Let that sink in just a little bit. Enid's mother carted off and she didn't see her for two years. And they didn't talk about it. So we thought, it's 2021, for God's sake. Surely by now, talking about your hormones is no big deal, right? So that's exactly what we decided to do and do it frankly. So full disclosure, mm. I ha- we're talking about periods to friends, don't it? But that's what we're doing. I haven't had a period for over two years now. So it's a distant memory and it's the only good fucking thing about it's a menopause <laughs> that I can save money on tampons and not have to worry about that. As we are speaking, I am having a hot flush and I'm going to have to go and get Mate, my fan. go and get why your fan. Not, why have I not brought my fan to this meeting? Good God, I'm an absolute amateur. Hang on a minute. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll be back. She you see, I've gone beetroot. she's got pink. I've actually gone beetroot. Mate, go and get yourself sorted out. Come on. Yeah. This is going to happen. I can just see Emma there, like, trying to cool down. Oh, bless her. <laughs> yeah. Trying to keep my fan away from the microphone. Can you hear it? <laughs> this is my hands-free one that also has disco flashing oh, lights. No Look way. at that. Shut up. You That's can have a disco amazing. in your own bedroom. It's glowing bright green, bright red, bright blue. That's wow. amazing. That's really cool. Put it cool. there, you can hear it. Oh, yes. <laughs> that doesn't sound dodgy at all, Emma. You've got the picture now. Four friends who decided to bust through taboos by talking as though there are no taboos. So what have we learnt? One of the many things we've learnt is the extent to which our hormones can affect your mental health. And that's not always recognised or understood. The upcoming chat does include mentions of suicidal thoughts. We wanted you to be aware of that and to be prepared for it. Remember though, if you're in the UK and you need to talk... The Samaritan's number is 116123. That's 116123. And that number is free from mobiles too. They're always there, day or night. Let's hear more from Sue Devaney, because what she's come through really is quite extraordinary. I've always struggled with anxiety, you know, from a very early age. But I think with perimenopause... I think any issue that you've not dealt with over the years attacks you. You know, Mm. anything that you've not resolved, it comes at you. Anything that you had a problem with, it, it just came at me like it was a tsunami. And we still managing to work then? Because that's difficult if you're, you know, on set and you've got, you know, busy commitments. I'd stop working. I mean, I remember signing on and saying to uh, Bernie, as his name is, in the job seekers <laughs> place, it, Bernie said to me, huh? he said, so how long have you been an actor? I said, since I was 14. He said, um, and what are you going to do now? I said, I don't know. I said, but how did you get your job, Bernie? How do you tippy-tap-tap on that there computer? Because I wanted <laughs> it. I thought that's, that's what I need to do because I don't, I don't want a job where I put myself out there anymore. But then, if I'd have got a job anywhere with the menopause, I don't think I could have done it. How did you get over that five weeks then? He said he spent five weeks just not sleeping and just being in a complete pit of despair by the sounds of it. How did you get over that? 
every time I went to bed, I closed my eyes and the anxiety was through the roof and I was wet through. So I was, you know, lying in bed, wet through, knowing that I needed to sleep and couldn't sleep. And I went to see three therapists, psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist put me on uh, sleeping tablets, anti-anxiety drugs. None of it worked. None of it touched the sides. And that's when I just collapsed. I thought, well, you know, it's, it's like the, the worst torture ever if you're not sleeping. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when, you know, I spoke to my agent. My agent was brilliant. And he said, stop everything and just have a rest. Just rest. And that's what I did. I took all the pressure off myself. I got put on the right amount of hormones. I was put on HRT. And I just changed the, my diet. Changed my life, really. And also, I've taken the pressure off myself now. It was that thing that I felt... <sighs> I was in a state of trying to go above and beyond. And now, I just do what I can do. Was it your GP that put you on the HRT then, did he no, sort you out? No, my GP had no idea about HRT. I said, I cannot continue like this. I was suicidal. And, and that was to do with my hormones. What was the turning point for you, Sue? The turning point was everything stops. And I just thought, okay, what happens if I just stop everything and I start from where I am? This anxiety, how do I get that under control? I think I stopped work for about five months. I went to stay at my friend's place by the sea in Wales. I did yoga, did meditation. And I've had to address things like I was a people pleaser all the time. I'd say yes to things because I'm freelance. And it was like, oh, they want me. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. So I was like doing everything and anything for everybody else, but I didn't sit with myself. And I think that's what going through the menopause has taught me to say, to know my limits. It's that realisation that you've got less time than you've had time. So I can't waste any more of it. What a story, eh? And isn't it so great that Sue's not only come through it, but now she's really living life on her terms. In another part of her chat with us, Sue joked that her friends used to say to her, oh, are you talking about the menopause? You don't do that often, do you? But Sue's passion for getting it all out there is the same as something else that we've learnt this year. And that is that women and people experiencing menopause aren't going to put up and shut up about this anymore. Totes in Approach is a blogger whose perimenopausal Facebook group, Totes Mary Perry, has over 32,000 followers. Rather than you know, stage a rooftop protest at the GP surgery, which I was thinking about doing, um, I decided to set up a Facebook group. I think there's a lot of women that now realise that you can go and demand testosterone and stuff. You know, I think there's a lot of people that are going in with these lists of symptoms and things. People are being a bit braver, spurred on by a whole group of other people. I think that it does make people brave when they know that it's not just them that are in that position where they've not been listened to. And I can personally vouch for the fact that Totes Mary Perry is full of sweary, funny women who support each other through this crazy time. 
Heather Jackson and Sam Simister from Gen M are also on a mission. They're about getting big brands to signpost their products to menopausal women better. They carried out some research earlier this year to persuade big brands to get on board and discovered some really stark statistics over how menopause currently impacts people. And as you can hear, they've got a really compelling argument to take to people in high places. We want to drive change because if we think, well, we believe if we can get some of these big global giants on board and sitting up and smelling the coffee and recognising that they've got the menopause-friendly items already in their portfolio, they just need to signpost them better, we think we can drive change faster. Because the stat that scares me, 2025, there'll be one billion of us in menopause across the globe. 2025, just around the corner. That's literally next week, isn't it? That is terrifying. Yeah. And and I think if if we don't carry on doing something different, it's great that we've got women talking about it now. We're starting to open up the conversations. We've got incredible celebrities you've mentioned before, Davina McCall, Zoe Ball, the whole lot. And, you know, Mariella Fostrov started it off three, four years ago. They're talking about it. You've got doctors like Louise Newsom pushing on, you know, the doctors and the practitioners with her menopause charity, educating more doctors. You've got your Diane Danzibrook incredibly getting more about education into the schools and things. But, you know, the biggest employers, the biggest people with money, you know, the biggest spread of consumer awareness and marketing capacity are brands. And Mm. actually, if we could bring brands and organisations involved in this, men and women, as Sam's touched upon, it's a societal issue. You know, the highest rate of divorces is in women 51 to 54. The highest rate of suicides is women 50 to 54. Please don't anyone ever tell me that the menopause does not have an impact on everybody here. From a business perspective, it's a really smart thing for these brands to do. It's a no-brainer, really. You've got all these women. Well, I think that's a really good point that you raised because what the report also said, that women are just bloody fed up with with being invisible. And also their loyalty is going down the pan. So Mm. if brands really do want to support, they've got such an opportunity here to support their employees. And also they've got a fantastic opportunity to retain, grow their market share and their consumer loyalty. And I know having worked in FMCG for my whole career, that's critical for a brand. Mm. And once you've lost that trust and that loyalty, it's really hard to get that back. And I don't mind talking about the menopausal pound because we have to be commercial for it to, I think, register with these companies. So you've got more and more people campaigning for a better understanding of the menopause. And what are they campaigning for? Well, one thing is better education for GPs. Did you know that menopause isn't a subject that GPs have to study when they're training? Something that's experienced by half the population and GPs don't have to learn anything about it. And that lack of knowledge has had a real impact on women being able to access HRT through their GPs. In the early 2000s, some research came out that was pretty misleading about the link between HRT and breast cancer. That research has been massively criticised since then. But GPs haven't all kept up to date with the latest knowledge. If you've been following my story, you'll know it's taken me about four and a half years to access HRT as I kept getting offered antidepressants instead. In the end, I had to go private to get it. And that's exactly what journalist Colette Walsh had to do too, here in the UK. But before that, she was able to get it 
over the counter in Barcelona. I said to one of the Spanish students, I was explaining my situation and she was fabulous. She said, come with me, and basically grabbed me by the hand, took me to the local pharmacist. Pharmacist checks my blood pressure, my weight, does a few checks, and gives me a box of HRT patches. And I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, hey, what? And she's, and she's explaining, just put one on, have a shower, drying the skin, pop one on. Swear, guys, I slept better that night than I had in months. What? Your face is the picture, Emma. <laughs> you know, you're just saying here that you just went to a pharmacy yep. and they handed you a packet of yeah. HRT. And that so, Emma's face is a picture. <laughs> I, spent, I spent five years not being able to sleep and thinking I was going, why did no one explain it to me in time? I don't even know. Why didn't I go on this yoga retreat in I know. Barcelona? Well, listen, I'll tell you why. Over in Spain and France, they are much more progressive. Mm. Also, there's a real sisterhood over there in terms of women and hormones. They vocalise it much more, you know. They're cheap as chips, by the way, these hormone patches. So it's not like I was like, you know, going to be landed with a huge bill. Cost me about 18 quid, like 24 euro for a packet. This is almost making me feel quite like jealous and angry. Emma, I'm (laughs) glad you said that because I heard about your story. I feel like biking over a box of my my Everell 100 that I'm holding up here. Um, because listen it's transformative and I'm very very cautious you know I'm not one to bind into any sort of gimmickry well these are the hormones that are in our bodies ladies we own these hormones and we are simply deficient Colette had to go private in the end and that's what I had to do too but as we pointed out many times on this podcast that's not an option that's available to many many people It's very common to be shelling out 500 quid, and that's just at the start, to access HRT if you've struggled to get it on the NHS. There's a bigger picture here, and that is that to combat health inequality, we need to hear other people's stories, because menopause has been a taboo subject for so long. Why is that so important? I think Karen Arthur's experiences can explain that. Karen's the creator and host of the Menopause Whilst Black podcast. And as Karen explained to us, it was the events of 2020 that meant that she simply had to tell her story. As you know, 2020 was quite an event. Uh, (laughs) And during the middle of it, what we're now calling Black Square Summer, I did not coin that phrase, where the tragedy that is... George Floyd's life was Mm. taken away from him. The world seemed to wake up to what black folks had known for a very long time about the brutalism and racism and the way the police were treating people of colour and so on and so forth. But it was a lot. It was a lot. It was it was traumatic and it was everywhere. You couldn't it was almost like we were being re-traumatised because you couldn't get away from the video or a screenshot or the news. And certainly my friends, you know, uh, black people on Instagram suddenly received a lot of new followers. And it felt 
intrusive it felt weird it felt it was upsetting and so I stepped away from social media for a bit remember we're in covid we're in lockdown sort of I am a fashion designer so anybody you could say was making masks Uh, my clients were on hold so I didn't have an income and then suddenly I had doubled my income because everybody wanted a mask which is great so I'm sitting at my kitchen table and I'm hot flushing and I'm menopausing and I'm also traumatised and I'm also sad and angry. And I suddenly wondered what black women were doing, how they were coping with their menopause symptoms and also coping with this, what I called racial trauma, which I now realise is something called racial weathering, which if your viewers, viewers, uh, listeners don't know, it's knowing of and experiencing and hearing about racism and how that affects your mental and physical well-being over the years and so I did a video I decided to just have a little rant it starts with have you ever googled menopause and clicked images it resonated people just got it because Basically, when you Google menopause and click images, now you get more people. You might even see me. <laughs> and you get, you know, a lot of lavender for some reason. Lavender infographics. Um, <laughs> oh, very strange. That's so true. I know, yeah, right? I what? Know. Who chose that? It's the pastels. I, it's a, why who the pastels? That? Right. So, uh, or you got a lot of, at the time, you got a lot of sad, silver-haired white women with their heads in fridges or their heads in their hands and I thought that doesn't represent anybody I know full stop but also doesn't represent me I wanted to sort of see whatever other people how the, how black women were coping so I started some research and then that led to the podcast and Karen why do you think that is why do you think it is that something so so sort of medical that everybody goes through um the female species has been so whitewashed and there aren't there haven't been enough black people or people of color actually talking about it because it's always like that because mm. that's what the that's what the world's like because the default is white that's why mm. yeah that's that's it in a nutshell karen makes such an important point there and one of the things that we wanted to do on evan hormones was to show that people experiencing perimenopause aren't all sad looking gray-haired women because we certainly didn't recognize ourselves in that image either I wanted to hear from Karen again, though, because what she's got to say about hearing other people's stories is just so important. This is the thing about people from different cultures, I'll say, talking about menopause. You need to hear stories from people who look like you. Yeah. The thing about listening, I've heard a lot of menopause stories, but up until this the point that I started speaking, it was all white women. And you can hear a story, the same story, five, six times, and then the seventh time you hear it from someone who might, whose parents might be from the same village as you, or who looks like you, or was brought up a similar way to you, and then it will land. And that's mm. the point. That's why I speak, because I want black women to see, yes, menopause can be awful, but one of the reasons it's awful is because we don't know what's coming. I honestly believe that it stops with us. You can't argue with that, can you? And what Karen says there builds on what Sudhavani was saying earlier too, that you're not on your own. Because it's through hearing other people's stories that you realise you're not on your own. 
And then hopefully you might be able to cope with things a bit better because of that. Effing hormones. Sweary, but supportive. One woman who's massively propelled menopause stories, including Karen Arthur's Into the Public Eye in 2021, is the journalist Kate Muir. Kate produced the TV documentary Sex, Myths and the Menopause, which was hosted by Davina McCall. That came out in the UK in the early summer and had a huge impact. As Kate explained to us, she wasn't expecting it to be quite so big. I was absolutely astonished because Channel 4, you know, why would they want to commission a programme on the menopause anyway? It was like, who would do that? Who would be interested? And we were kind of all sitting there praying on the night. And on the night it got a million viewers. But by the end of the week, it got two million viewers. And that's when we realised everyone had told their best friend. And then I don't know how many million it's got now, but it's still up there, been up there for months. Then I realised that this is in our lifeblood at this second, if we're at 40-something and 50-something women, and we need to communicate this to one another. And in a way, the documentary was really hard to do in lockdown. There was lots we couldn't finish off. It was a real struggle just filming two metres away from everybody and having separate vans and all the things you didn't see. It was just a, it was just a nightmare trying to edit things on Zoom. And, but as it turned out, you know, it worked because I think it was destined to work. I think it had to get out there, almost like bursting some huge boil. You know? And it, once it was out there, then all this other stuff spawned from it. And now we've just been commissioned to make a second one. So I'm now researching menopause at work. I am gathering menopause at work stories or menopause not working at work. Kate's a real powerhouse, isn't she? All power to her. In the Sex, Myths and Menopause documentary, they pointed out that there's online training for GPs available that was put together by the leading voice on menopause in this country, Dr Louise Newson. And after that documentary aired in May 2021, GPs started signing up to do the training. Well, guess how many have signed up to do it now? When we spoke to Kate, she told us a whopping 16,000 GPs and healthcare professionals had signed up. It's a good start, isn't it? Things are really moving in the right direction. You can hear more from Kate on Effin Hormones later in January. It's time now, though, for another lesson that we've learnt this year. And that is that even through the darkest, most difficult times, we can still celebrate our changing minds and bodies. One person who helped us realise that is Carmel Cardona. Carmel is a resilience coach who often works with women who have lost confidence from experiencing menopause. Carmel herself experienced surgical menopause after receiving treatment for cancer. Her body had to change dramatically due to the surgery she needed. But her attitude towards it all is truly amazing, as Bina discovered. Can I just ask, um, because you had your breast removed as well, I mean, obviously there's a lot of physical things that happen, but your body changed like quite rapidly by the sounds of it. You in your own mind come into terms with how your body must have changed so dramatically and so quickly. Like that, that must have been quite tough. 
Yeah, and I was a real 1950s chick as well. I wore these like lovely, I had really big boobs. I had like F-cut boobs, tiny little waist and a big bum. So I like wore all of these gorgeous 1950s frocks and had mm. great accessories. And, you know, that was kind of my style. And then, of course, completely now have no boobs. I have no reconstruction and I don't wear prosthesis. So I've I sold all of my clothes on eBay and went and bought loads of moo-moos and caftans and completely changed <laughs> my style. <laughs> and, and I really loved that for me me it was also you know a part of reclaiming myself reclaiming my identity embracing the opportunity to live the the next half of my life with a different body shape and and wear clothes I could never wear when I have I could never wear dungarees I wear them all the time now because you know they look great um and I think that's kind of my attitude throughout this whole thing has been without wanting to be like you know toxic positivity or anything but really it's it's been incredibly difficult to go through but what is it that I can take from it that that helps me regain a sense of my identity and and yeah that's that's been part of it and in terms of my body you know I've got lower limb lymphedema which means that my legs are very swollen and and my pelvis is very swollen and I've got scars from like my navel down to my um, pelvis and then obviously across my chest there's loads and loads of different physical things I'm living with. But I mean, God, I love my body. Look yeah. at what it's done. Look yeah. at what it's got through. I'm so proud of it. Carmel certainly makes you think about how to appreciate your body and all that it's been through, even if it's changing. Someone else who celebrates what we all have at this time of life is Marnie Riches. Marnie's a crime writer who had us in absolute stitches with her filthy humour. Uh, but she also has a fabulous attitude towards getting older. Marnie teaches you that menopause doesn't have to be the end. In fact, it can be the beginning of a whole new you. But first, here's a couple of Marnie's tips for coping with it all in the first place. Napping, giving zero fucks really helps. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's and, my favourite prescription. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and um, I think getting your head round it, you know, owning owning this kind of change in your body and the kind of elder status that you're moving into, I think is a really positive. Because a lot of it is positive frame of mind. If you if you go into this with the anticipation that you're going to stay box fresh like you were in your thirties, you, you're setting yourself up for a nasty surprise with or without HRT. But if you kind of embrace the kind of positive changes that come with growing older, so you might get clanky knees, but you're acquiring wisdom. What are some of the other positive things then? Because it's and it's very easy to dwell on the negative, isn't it? When you're you know consumed with pain and yeah, exactly. lack of sleep it's, and it's all of this, it's easy to treat everything as as lack and deficiency. And yeah, you are lacking some. You know, your oestrogen levels plummet and you're often vitamin deficient. But if you eat well and sleep well, then you can turn to the good stuff, which is a sense of self. Inhabiting this new skin, this kind of different skin that you're in and owning it and being happy that you've reached this stage in your life where you know better. We're the sandwich generation, aren't we? So we've got kind of rickety parents above us and we've got kids beneath us who are... Uh, huge time sink, money sink, responsibility sink, although we love all of these people dearly. But the beauty is that we know what we're doing. We're finally at a stage in our lives where we've, we've accumulated all this can-do 
all this wisdom. And, you know, I'm not bothered that I've got cellulite on my bingo wings. I'm, I'm feeling good about knowing what I'm talking about, being good at my job, gaining respect as a person professionally and on a personal level. So it's all about embracing the future you and this next stage of your life and not looking back. There's a YouTube clip of these actresses, Hollywood actresses, who are celebrating their last shaggable day. And they have a picnic <laughs> because Hollywood actresses, until they get to a certain age, are always kind of cast as to how bonkable they are, how box fresh they're looking, how much they look like, you know, still look in their early 30s and with pneumatic breasts and tiny waists mm. and fucking thigh gaps and all that shite. And they, <laughs> these, these women in this little sketch, you know, they actually sit and have a picnic and drink champagne and say, here's to our last shaggable day, because they're, they're in the kind of, you know, mid to late 40s and have finally got to the stage where they can be cast in proper character roles and be taken seriously, rather than uh. just being, you know, am I shackable? Does this man fancy me? Can I compete with the, the kind of younger, fertile, you know, pneumatic women with these tiny waists? And it's like, I don't want that shit anymore. I'm, I'm glad to be free of it. I'm going to grow out my pubic hair and plait it like a fucking Viking. Amen <laughs> <laughs> hey, to that. <laughs> Oh, God, could she be any better? Thank you, Marnie. She cracked us up and left Terry quivering that the nuns from her former convent school were going to come and tell her off because our chat with her was so filthy. Hopefully they won't tell Terry off for all the dad jokes that she cracks in this podcast series, though. She's not the only one, but let's face it, it is mainly Arteza. I did just look at my face and I thought, oh, God, I can deal with lines, but jowls, I mean, come on. Mm. Lift your chin up. No, the other one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> She's awful, isn't she? Honestly, Terry, what are you like? Today we're on the letter C. I feel like I'm doing an episode of Sesame Street here. <laughs> a, B, C. Well, you are a big bird, Emma, come on. Whee! Whee! Slightly rude. <laughs> so basically, you've got this massive long thing, which is just oh, yeah. like the scariest... You know what? I reckon Jeff Bezos's penis rocket had a smaller manual <laughs> than this. Like, it's just ridiculous. I thoroughly enjoyed learning about all the different symptoms of menopause because I didn't realise being a bit whiffy and having bad body odour was connected. There are so many things, aren't there? Well, I'm glad you found that out so we really don't have to have that chat with you, Emma. <laughs> At least I've got something to blame it on now. Oh, no, everyone's going to think I stink now. No, they won't. Well, they're all going to think I've got vaginal dryness. Come on, which one's worse? <laughs> oh, I've got my brain fog as well, haven't I, from work? Why? What happened? I told you've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely have forgotten. Actually, that is, that, that is oh, pretty no. bad, Helen. Vag, vag, how do you actually say it? Vaginal, vaginal. This has been keeping you me say up it at night every time. I like it <laughs> <laughs> because because you guys say it differently. I'm always unsure which way, uh, way to say it. Anyway, I yeah, say vaginal. No. You vaginal. say vaginal. Let's call the whole thing <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> you say tomato. <laughs> Oh, dear God. 
Ah, blimey. Uh, Anyway, we could not leave you without a little reminder that your stories are important too. Remember, you can get in touch with us via the Effin Hormones website and we've got a Facebook group too. Just search for Effin Hormones Podcast in Facebook. Remember, it's no G on the Effin and we should come up. And to spur you on, I'll leave you with this little motivational message from Helen, our producer. We can just be part of this groundswell of women coming forward and hopefully that will make you feel empowered as well to speak up and because... You don't have to be an expert to talk about this stuff. What's important is that other people get to hear your story. That's what Mm. I think. Mm. And you don't Mm. have to be political. You don't have to be someone who can stand up on a stage and feel confident talking about people. But what I'm hoping this podcast will do and all the other podcasts that are taking place and the things like the Davina documentary will make you feel like you can actually tell your story. And I just want to say a massive thank you to our producer, Helen, who came up with the idea to do Effing Hormones and get us all talking because I honestly think it has changed my life, even saved my life, because it was hell before getting HRT. And I don't think I would have got HRT before this podcast, before I actually started sharing my story and started listening to so many other women's stories and learning more and gaining knowledge. So if I hadn't gone through this journey, I I just dread to think what my life would have been like. So a massive thank you to producer Helen and also to Terry and Bina for making it such a pleasurable experience and making it a laugh to share our stories and to talk about our effing hormones. Well, that's it for this special episode of Effing Hormones. What have we learnt? And exciting news! In our next episode, you'll hear from Kate Muir, the journalist who made the Davina documentary. She's got a book coming out later this month that's all about menopause, and she's got quite the story to tell too. So, we'll see you in a few weeks. Please remember to rate and review and follow this podcast, and if you know someone who's going through this, then please do point them in our direction. See you soon! And a happy new year from us all here at Effin Hormones. Let's hope 2022 isn't as effin awful. Love ya, bye!